How many of you like movies? Anybody like movies? Yeah? I like really good stories. Not all movies have good stories, as you probably know, like if you've seen any of the Transformer movies or something like that, right? So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> but I love, I love good movies. And um, when I was in college, we kind of had this great setup in our, we had kind of a little apartment thing. And my last two years, there were like six of us that lived together. And we had this thing where we had a great TV, a great sound system, and um, I, we'd watch movies all the time. And and so we kind of, you can kind of imagine, we would get everything set up, you know, you get your popcorn and your soda, and everybody's got their own seats. Like if you've been in a dorm room, you kind of know you got your spot. And then, and then we had this friend, his name is Jack, and, and there aren't very many people like Jack in the world, praise the Lord. And, um, and Jack would always show up like every time about 15 or 20 minutes after the movie had started. Right? Have you ever had a friend like this? And he, and he drove, drove me nuts. And he, he knew that we hated this, but he didn't care because he kind of thought it was fun, I think. But anyway, he would show up and he would always come in. This is the first thing he'd say. He'd sit down and he'd go, I'm not going to bother you guys, I promise. Right? And then it would be like, why is she wearing that? Jack, be quiet. Why is he doing that? Why is he mad? Why is he sad? Why are those people chasing that person? Why does that person have hairy feet? <laughs> What's a hobbit again? <laughs> right? And, and we were like, stop. You know, we did shoot him these dagger looks. Or maybe, maybe you can relate to that. Or maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the person who comes in late. Maybe you're that person who's always like, hey, how's it? Like, what? And you're, to be fair, you're asking questions that anybody would ask if they came to a play at intermission or something, right? So you're like, you want to know, like, who's, who's, who the characters are, what's going on, why are they doing it like this? Maybe you've done this before. You've showed up to your friend's house while they're in the middle of watching Walking Dead or something, and you're, you know, you're asking all these questions. Why are they mad? What's, what's going on with them? And then you look at your friend, and they've got, they're giving you the eye daggers, right? And you're like, well, why do they have an ax beside them? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> For those of you who watch Walking Dead, maybe you got that. Maybe not. Stories are everywhere. Everywhere we go in our culture, we love stories. So if you think about it, there are stories about soldiers coming home. There are stories about people being reunited. There are stories about redemption and reconciliation and fixed relationships. And there are stories everywhere. We love stories. And stories are really important. But one of the questions I want to ask today is just really simple. What if, what if there's a bigger story that we're a part of? It's like this, um, there's an author who says it like this. I think it's, he mentions it really well. He says, I think for a lot of us, we feel like our lives are kind of like when we show up to a movie 45 minutes late. And, and it's like we have like maybe a couple pages torn out of a book and we look at these, two, these couple pages and, and they're, they're the stories of our lives. But the thing is, we're trying to make sense of them in, this, in something bigger. And so we're always asking questions like, I think this stuff is important. The good stuff, the bad stuff, and as we know, most of life is the tension somewhere in between those two. And, and as we're looking at the story, we're, we're kind of saying, what, there's, what if there's something bigger? And I think that's exactly right. I think that's where a lot of us maybe find ourselves. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think about the Bible. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bible. We're starting a series about the Bible. I, and I know for some of us in here, we, we treasure it, and others of us are asking lots of questions about it. And that's okay. Wherever you are in between, that's, that's all fine. But I, I just want to say this. At its core, the Bible is this story of God, a creator, who is pursuing his creation, those, those things that he created that live in this broken world now, and he's pursuing us like a, like a father would, would want to rescue his child. 
That's, at its core, that's what it's about. Now, it starts with God, it ends with God, and, and, and the story that's there is something important in between. See, I think a lot of people, though, have a wrong view of the Bible. And when we have a wrong view of the Bible, that means that we often have a wrong view of God. There's a guy that, that I've met a few times. I wouldn't call him a good friend, but he and I have spoken a number of times. His name is Jay Baker. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Jay Baker. He's the son of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. This, any of you maybe know who that is. They were kind of the first prototypical televangelists that kind of made a lot of money and all the rest of that. He's their son. And they, Jim and Tammy Faye, got in a lot of trouble over the years. They got financial trouble. They got, he, Jim spent time in jail, all this stuff. So this is their son, okay? And he grew up in that world, in that environment. And he tells a story about the, the church that they went to when he was a kid, the church they built. And they were, that when they went into the children's wing, there was an entryway there. And on the entryway was painted this giant mural of an eye. Okay? And then was this words underneath it. Under, stay, stay with me. Here's the words. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Right? And there's this idea, right? and the way that he was taught to read the Bible was it's this list of rules and regulations, and if you don't follow them, then God will be angry with you. This is kind of what he was taught about the Bible. And so he spent his whole life. He tells a story about how he would grow up going to summer camp, to church camp. And he hated it. He had a learning disability. He has a learning disability. He's dyslexic. And so um, at Bible camp, they would do these contests about Bible memorization. They'd divide everybody into teams. So they would say, okay, you guys are on a team, and you guys are on a team, or whatever. And the whole team had to memorize a Bible verse in a short amount of time. And, and, and whatever team did it first won prizes and all this. And he said, I hated it. Because, because of my learning disability, I couldn't remember anything. And I always, my team always lost because of me, basically. He said, I just grew up with this idea that the Bible was this thing that was rules and regulations and all these things. And, and if I didn't do those things, then I would make God very angry. And I spent my whole life not doing those things. I, I really I struggled to keep all those rules. And, and so I always felt like God was angry. And then Jay's story is really interesting because one of the things that he says is he walks through this whole period of his life where he hates God, he hates everything about God. And he runs and he, he's fighting all this stuff. But then his story is really interesting because one of the things that, that he said is, you know what, I, I had this view of the Bible and I hated it. And then I did something. I actually read it. And what I found there was a story of a God of incredible love and grace. A God who cares so much that he's going to pursue me no matter what. And he said, I was wrecked by that story. When I finally read, really read the Bible, it changed my life. I think a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with the story we find ourselves in. And I don't know what you think of the Bible, but let's be honest, okay? This, this series we're starting is called The One Big Story. And part of what we're trying to do, we're just going to walk through over the next few weeks kind of the big kind of pieces in the story of, the, of Scripture, kind of talk about where we are and, and kind of what's happening, what God's up to. And, and honestly, just to be honest with you, we're trying to help you learn to read Scripture. We want you to jump in. Now, I know some of you are like, well, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. I don't really know much about it. That's okay. But let's be honest for a minute. What typically guides the books that we read, our choices in books that we read, isn't because we believe they're all true, right? Like you don't read Harry Potter to learn how to do science, right? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> that could be interesting, I guess. 
You don't read the Hunger Games because you think it's a good historical account of what happened in Congress, right? Or <laughs> anything else? We read them because they're interesting, right? We read them because, and if nothing else, the Bible is interesting. It's a, such a unique book. I don't know what you know about it, but a couple things. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. It's the most published book in the history of the world. It's the most influential book easily in the history of the world. Governments have been toppled because of the Bible. Revolutions have started because of the Bible. Uh, peace treaties have happened because of the Bible. Um, all, kinds of, all kinds of political events have been intricately tied to Scripture. Whether you like it or not, it's just, that's just the way it is. It's the most international book in the history of the world by far. It's the most published book in the history of the world. Every year, over 100 million copies of the Bible are either sold or given away. Every year, 100 million. Uh, and it's translated into more languages than any other kind of literature. So maybe you've heard of Homer, the Greek, not the Simpsons character. That's for you, James. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Greek writer who wrote, wrote many things, he, he's been translated into 40 languages. Perhaps you've heard of a guy named Shakespeare. Anybody hear of Shakespeare? He's been translated into 60 languages. Uh, this last one I know you'll know of, this young man named Harry Potter. Anybody hear of him? He's been translated into 67 languages. The Bible, and you can look, I'm not exaggerating at all, you can look this up, it's actual fact, I talked with somebody who's at the front lines of this just last week. The Bible's been translated into more than 2,400 languages, okay? So it's a unique just in terms of its experience, but beyond that, it's unique. It's really not a book, it's a library, because there's 66 books within it. It's written by over 40 different authors, and those authors come from all different walks of life. You probably know this, but it comes from all over. So there are people who wrote in Scripture that were kings. There are people who wrote who were peasants. There are people who were fishermen and tax collectors. There are people who wrote in Scripture who are poor and needy, and there are people who were at the highest of heights. There are people who wrote Scripture, and, and they were sitting on the roof of their castle, literally. And then there are people who wrote parts of what is Scripture that were in their prison cell. There are people who were on boats when they wrote. There are people who were on land. There are people on three different continents when, when Scripture was written, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And through it all, there are all these different kinds of literature in Scripture. There's poetry and songs. There's stories. There's uh, wisdom things. There's all this different kind of, every kind of literature that's there, there, it's there in Scripture. And here's what's most unique and interesting about it, if I can just kind of, if you can stay with me for a second, and I can invite you to read it, is this, that there's one theme that keeps coming up, which is this, that quite simply, God wants to know us. And not just know us in some kind of distant way, but he wants to be in right relationship with us. He loves us, but here's the story. God wants to know us. From the very beginning, through the whole thing, all the way to the end, this is the story. Look, I get it. We have lots of questions. Some of you have great questions. And one of the good things about Generations is that this is a place you can ask questions. And we hope you do, especially as we engage this series. There's going to be lots of opportunities for, the, for you to ask your questions. If you have doubts, if you have wonders, whatever else, we're going to make some very specific space for you in the next few weeks to ask some of those questions. But here's the thing, right? Whether your question is, why do good things, if God's good, why do good things happen to bad people? Or why do innocent children go hungry? And why are there tornadoes and hurricanes and all the rest of those kind of natural disasters? Or whatever else your questions are. Can I just propose this, if you can stay with me just for a second here. Can I propose this, that most of the time when we try to answer those questions, we start at the wrong place in the story. 
Most of the time we start right here, right now. And what we fail to realize is there's a bigger story. What if, what if we read the Bible as a story? Not just as a set of kind of moral self-help kinds of things. What if we read it not just as a book of rules and regulations? What if we didn't read it as just kind of this collection of things that will make you feel good or, or, or ask you to live differently? What if we read it as a story where God is the main character? Not you. What if we read it and, and believe that God is the one pursuing in the whole story, that God is the hero? Now, again, I know. I get it. I get it. Not everybody, not everybody's there. But what if, what if God maybe really is better than you believed? Just want to ask you to open your mind to that, just, just maybe even for the next few minutes. So we're going to start with Genesis 1-1, okay? This is the very beginning of the, of, the, of the book. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, this is how it starts. You can, you can turn to Genesis 1. We're going to be talking about that just a little bit. It starts with these four words, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And this is important because it, over 30 times in this first chapter alone, it mentions God is the one doing the work. And this is important because it's important for us to begin to realize that the story starts with who God is. It comes out of his very character. It comes out of who he is as a person. And the next word here is really simple. It's just simply, in the beginning, God created. And what we find in this story is just a God who creates. The story starts with God creating. Pretty simple. Stay with me here. So not only is God a creator, if we, read, if we read through the narrative, five times in a row, God creates things. This is how the story goes. Stay with me. Five times in a row, God creates things. And then he stops after each time to reflect on those things. And you know this. And what does God say? It is good, right? God, this reveals to us a lot about the character of who God is. God not only creates, but he's a good God. He creates out of his goodness. He creates out of who he is. And then the story continues, and, and if we keep reading, we, we, we find a really interesting verse. This is from verse 26. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there. <clears throat> Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sky, of the sea, fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Let us make human beings in our image. Do you see that plural pronoun there? And part of what's happening is, is God's pointing out something that's really important, that he is three in one. We call it the Trinity, and it's too complex to really for me to even try to explain. There are all kind of really cheap ways we try to explain it, and I think those are hard. But let me just say it like this. That God is three, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And if you read the, the scripture carefully, it indicates very clearly that all three are right here at creation. And part of what this verse is just trying to indicate is simply this, that, that God in three is in perfect relationship. And so they're so close in relationship that they are one. And, and they're in this loving, interactive relationship where they understand clearly what it means to love. And out of their love, stay with me, this is so important, out of their love, they create us. This is, write this down if you're writing stuff down. We are created from relationship for relationship. 
We're created from this beautiful relationship of love that God has, and we're created for relationship. See, one of the things that becomes really clear right from the very beginning is, is that God wants to be in relationship with us. And God wants for us to be in right relationship with each other. And this is one of the things that if, if you just talk to anybody on the street, no matter where they are, no matter what they believe, if you ask them, is the world broken? They will say, I think, yes. I don't know anybody who says the world's perfect. It's fine as it is. And if, we, if you ask them, why is the world broken? Almost everybody will point to this, this one right here. Because people aren't getting along. At its core, that's a large part of what's broken in the world. And, and we know this no matter what we believe in terms of Scripture or Jesus or God or anything else. And we know that because we're created for this in the first place. We understand deep in our being that we are created from God for relationship with him and right relationship with each other. And then the story continues, if you jump ahead a couple verses to verse 28, it says this, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. Isn't scurry a great word? We need to use it more. Anyway, but it's really interesting because part of what this story tells us is that work was there from the beginning. Before anything else broke, it's part of the good world that God created, was work. Now, it, w- it wasn't to be a work that was difficult, but look, we get this too, because some of us will do things, we'll spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours doing something without getting paid. We'll do, we'll do some things that we just really enjoy because we enjoy them, right? And we understand that that's this part of the way God created us. Now, and this is what we're for. Now, stay with me. What if, what if, God created this beautiful, good world and created you, created us as humanity, and he calls us very good, by the way, to be in relationship with him. And what if we have a role to play in this world? What if God has a role for you? And look, we all, I think, I hope if you're realizing, connecting some dots here, we'll talk more about brokenness next week, but we understand the world where we live in is a broken place. And maybe part of what God has for us is a role to play in making this broken place a better place. Maybe this story is a story of goodness breaking through. What if there is more to the story than we often realize or give credit? Stay with me here for a minute. What if we believed a good God created everything? What if we just... For a minute, if you just entertain that thought as a possibility, no matter where you are, what if, how would that change the way that you saw yourself? How would that change the way that you saw the world you live in? How would that change the way you saw the people that you live with? What, how would that change the way we saw our role in the world? I think it would change things in some pretty significant ways. Now, I get it. Some people are asking questions like, I don't know that I can believe that God is good. Can I just ask you to just maybe for a few minutes here that we have left this morning, to just maybe entertain the idea that maybe God is more good than you ever believed. Can you just try to hold on to that for a moment? Just, just for a few moments and just ask, what if, what if I've been wrong? What if the story starts somewhere else? What if God really is good? Now, I want to challenge you to do something, okay? 
So here's a challenge. I mentioned that we want you to, to read scripture, and we do. I want to challenge you with this. A couple things. One, as we start this series on scripture, I want to challenge you to start reading it. So I'm asking, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe this week you can read Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now, before you jump into that, let me say a couple things. This season that we're in right now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but for thousands of years, Christians have called the season Lent, and it's a season of, of some very specific things. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in a Protestant church, and we thought it was just a time where all the Roman Catholic kids had to give something up, and we could make fun of them for a couple weeks. Right? <laughs> so like, oh, you gave up chocolate. Look what I'm eating. Mmm, this chocolate is so good, right? But over the part of my own faith journey is begin to realize what Lent is really about is this season to begin to reflect on our relationship with God and to ask some questions about am I, how am I doing helping play my role in making the world a better place? And just asking some questions about that. For some people, that means maybe I should give up some things because if I'm honest, they're not really helping me make this world a better place. And for some people, that means I need to take on some things. I need to pick some things up because maybe they will help me make the world a better place. I'm asking you, challenging you, inviting you to read the first three chapters of Genesis this week and just kind of see what happens. Now, as you start that, a couple things just want to be really clear about. What is the Bible? I mentioned it's a story. But let's be honest about it for just a minute so we can be clear. And I understand some of us struggle with this, so I want to talk this through for a second. The Bible is a, is a series of books written by people, to people. And to that end, it's somebody trying to tell us something, right? But they're not perfect. They make mistakes along the way because they're people. So it's a, it's a, it's a collection of books. It's a library of books written from people to people. And that's important, I think, just as we start. And then we have to realize, what's the point of the Bible? One of the great questions you can always ask yourself if you're going to engage Scripture is just simply ask this. What is this person, what is this person trying to tell me about God? Look, you know how this works. If you came back from, maybe you had a great party last night, and you came back and you were telling your friend about it, you would tell them certain things and you would leave other things out, right? Nobody wants to know about the 24 minutes it took you to get to their house and you just listened to the radio in the car. Okay, you don't include that in the story, right? And you don't say, and then they played this song and then they played that song and then I turned left and then they played that song. You leave things out, right? And you probably, maybe not, maybe it's just me, but you probably exaggerate some things too, right? To make them funnier, to make them part of the story, because you're trying to prove a point. The scripture is the same way. The point of scripture is to tell us, to help us understand more about who God is. And so to understand it that way helps us, I think, begin to see as we engage it, the purpose of it. And anytime we try to take something like scripture or anything else and try to make it do something that it's not for, then it's not going to work, right? So, for example, if I listen to all the love songs on the radio for premarital counseling, right? Maybe not a good choice, right? Why wouldn't I do that? Well, of course, because songs are written in figurative language and they use all these kinds of examples and stories and, right, and metaphors and all these pictures, of, right? It's, it's not written for those purposes, right? Stay with me. If you're going to read this week, and I hope you do, Genesis chapter 1, understand this. It was, in its original form, it's a song. It's a beautiful song. And the purpose of it is simply this, to begin to tell us about who God is, a good God, a God who creates, a God who wants to be in right relationship with us. 
We're going to sing one last song here in just a minute. The band's going to come. You guys can come now. Um, before they do, I'm going to say a prayer. But here's, here's what I'm going to, maybe, maybe you're in this spot where you're just going to say, look, Brian, I don't really care very much about what you're saying. I don't care very much about the Bible. I have all these questions, and I'm not sure I believe any of it, and that's fine if that's where you are. But, and maybe you'll say, I'm not going to give you any time this week. I'm not going to think about this at all. That's fine. But can I ask you, just for the next three minutes or whatever it takes for us to sing this song, maybe you don't want to sing the words. Maybe you just want to sit there. And Can I just ask you to entertain the possibility? What if the story is bigger than we thought? What if the story really does involve a good God? How would that change the way that I live my life? Just want you to open your heart to that. So will you stand with me? We're going to pray, and then, and then we'll sing if you want to sing, or you can just reflect. Let's pray together. Gracious God, help us to see the good story that we're a part of. God, we know that um, we live in brokenness, and, and there's no doubt about that. We'll talk more about that. But God, as we start the story, help us to start in the right place, to understand our role, to understand what you're up to, that, that you're a good God who creates, who created us to be in right relationship with you and with others. And as we start this story, I pray that you would invite us into it. Help us to see you as a good, good father. We pray these things in Jesus' name.